Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is our little golden statue, Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? Um, I'm golden. Mm-hmm. Golden. Gold. The Zach Academy has, has entered the podcast. There it is. That was what we were all waiting for. Uh, if you want to cast your ballot as a part of the Zach Academy, <laughs> tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z A C Mabry. Email us podcast at romancircusblog.com. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Roman Circus Pod. Go on Apple Podcasts and give us a nice review if you want. Or a bad one, if you want. Someone did that, and that was exciting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can find us anywhere podcasts are. All right, Zach, very important. What's in the news? You said you had some you had some hot-off-the-press news action items. Yeah. Well, first of all, our um, beloved Netflix series, The Crown, they've announced uh, that season six is canceled. Wait, what? Yeah, so the show was always intended to have six seasons with three different casts, like each cast serving for two seasons and Mm -hmm. each season being a decade. And they have decided to cut plans to have a sixth season. So they're going to have five seasons. Right. So Um, Olivia Coleman, uh, will she do the fifth season? No, they've already cast the the fifth season. Really? But... Um. Yeah. Oh, so I Imelda, can't remember the name, but they've already picked a queen. Amelda Staunton. One of my favorite Ameldas. Yeah, she was in Harry Potter, obviously, because every English actor is. Well, it's funny because, like, you sit there and you think, "Wow, are there like, is this just the only is, like, is this really the only English actors that there are?" And then you realize how small England is, and you're like, "Actually." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess if you were to tell Actually, me that like an actor was from Rhode Island, I wouldn't I wouldn't have all that many options to pick from. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. Uh well, that's, you know, that's a shame, but also if they if they fig- if if uh the crown, if the history of the current British monarchy is over, then I guess it's uh there's no more they have to stop the entire crown in real life too after that right like it's definitely going to make it through um like princess diana's death spoiler alert um Mm. but they're not going to do like megxit or brexit Mm. um but i apparently it's because the the third season of the crown didn't even make netflix's top 10 really yeah and i'm pretty sure i know why that is um why but well so like did you watch season three i did yes i mean it was good there were funny mm-hmm. things there was the dirty limericks there was um you know it was it was good the problem is is that season one they cast you know i mean in this some of this is just how it's going to flow because obviously season one and two were the young cast um and you know everybody loved them and then people are like okay well the people in season three are all extremely talented um actresses and 
it's like, well, yeah. Or actors and actresses, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, so you you take Claire Foy and uh, what's it, Matt Smith mm-hmm. and Vanessa Kirby, you know, three hotties, and you replace them with the new crowd, the new crop. And, mm-hmm. like, no offense to the new crop, but, like, Olivia Coleman is not... Um, I mean, she's not she's not bad looking. Like, I don't mean it like that. Like, and she's a really good actress. I've seen her in other things. But like, mm-hmm. the person they have playing Prince Philip, like, like, the, you know, these were like mag, like the first two series were like magazine cover looking people, and mm-hmm. season three was not. And I I think that that plays a bigger factor than people realize. Yeah, it was it was like a show about young flirty singles in London. And then it became right, yeah. And I mean that everybody was attractive, and all their love interests were attractive, and it was, mm-hmm. you know. And then now it's kind of everybody's, um, you know. I mean, not bad looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think that Helena uh, Bonham Carter was hilarious as Princess Margaret, but I mean, yeah, she was great. she was like even shorter than. Like, I mean, it was just it was it was clearly, you know, a a different direction to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I look at us and I'm like, well, who who among us doesn't uh, hasn't aged poorly? Um, it's true. Who who among us reached a certain age and stopped being in the Netflix top ten? Right. Well, I mean, the thing they could have done, they could have picked like a more attractive princess Anne, um, but they, they I guess they just chose not to, and so. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't mean any of this to be me. I just think that that when people look at it and like, well, why it was written well in the scripts and everyone was acting well, there was a lot, there were people that criticized Olivia Coleman's performance too. But I really mm-hmm. think it just comes down to the like hottie factor. Like there just weren't hotties in season three. Yeah, and you're, it's it's like the same show but a different show, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. But I mean, I'll be watching it. I'm I'm excited. I still think it's it's great. I just you have to think of all of the people like to get in the top ten you need lots and lots of people to be watching. And so you kinda have to, to hit those lowest common denominator things. And that's the Venn diagram is gonna kind of terminate on hotness. So um Yep, you hate to see it. <laughs> that's how it goes. What else is in the news? You had well, something you wanted to talk about, but we, we kind of recorded late this week because of snow and weather, inclement weather. What was it? Do you it? remember? Uh, oh, the Google Super Bowl no. ad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's debrief. So Google runs this Super Bowl ad where this old guy is talking about his dead wife to Google. And it's like, remember that she didn't like my mustache. And, and it, you know, everyone's watching it. And it's tugging on the heartstrings. Right. But it's creepy. Like, if you just take a few seconds and back up, like, this is basically a movie about abandoning or a, a product commercial where you just abandon the care of your aging loved ones and let them talk to their devices all day. Um, 
you know, not to mention Jeremy pointing out that he's like, Google, we now have the power to implant false memories into your grandfather. <laughs> um, it, to me, was very Black Mirror. Like, the, the like I'm not a conspiracy nut with, with this. Mm-hmm. You don't really have to be with Google. Um, but it was, it was, like, depressing once you really thought about it, that, like, this guy has nobody to talk to, um, but his Google Assist. And it was like basically people find basically that charming. Our, yeah, are basically our giant tech overlords that know what we're doing at all times, just finding it extremely charming. Right. Well, and there's that Black Mirror episode where um, they have that. There's this company that when someone dies, the they'll take all of their emails and social media and like all their data and create um, like a bot that you can chat with. Right that sort of you know is the person um, yeah did that did that go well zach in that episode you know it turns out it didn't oh okay um now obviously they kind of took it further than that like the the it goes from being a chat bot to like an actual robot you can order spoiler alert i guess we're supposed to say spoiler alert before we give the spoiler are we <laughs> yeah. um yeah but even when it was just the chatting back and forth and because you know, I mean think about how much certain relationships are just texting now it made me really uneasy to think like okay so because I mean I think that would probably sell like if you could get like you know like if I died I think there you could see not me I guess if if someone died I like I could see wanting to be able to chat with quote unquote them and an analytic has like figured out all their tendencies and their likes and how they talk and their I mean you know you basically just create a pattern out of it mm-hmm. and I could see how you know if in grieving you could actually I mean similar to people that get ripped off at, on like funeral arrangements and stuff mm-hmm. it's like I could see someone turning to that in their grief as a way of not grieving Right. Um, and that being really unhealthy. But I, I, I couldn't really criticize somebody for wanting to do that because it, it makes sense. But that's, you know, again, that's part of why it's so creepy. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, yeah, the, the grieving part makes total sense. But like we, because of how voicemail works now, um, like my relatives that passed away recently, like we have vo- voice recordings of them. Right. You know, my uncle yeah. has one of my grandfather saying Merry Christmas into the voicemail mm-hmm. and you know so that that will get shared in the family group text um on Christmas and you know that's charm like it's tough to hear but it's also really nice to still hear his real voice. but it basically it's taking that a step further of like you know well we have his voice so now we can help him we can have him say you know something else um and so that's where I think it's so nice to hear their voice that I could I could understand people that would take it a step further, which is why that Black Mirror episode didn't seem like that much of a stretch. And then it was the first thing that came to mind when I saw that Google ad. And like the rest of everyone's like tearing up and NBC was just gushing over it on the Today Show. And I was like, you guys are all insane. Yeah. Like how many of them binged Black Mirror in one of their Netflix and chill sessions and like didn't internalize any of the messages? Yeah, well, also, I mean, what, how many of them just 
don't realize that like the Google is the one that's collect like they're collecting all the data and doing all this stuff like it's not they're they're not they're they may it may appear that they're doing it for like sentimental reasons but it's not they're not a sentimental company right and i think that's even a point that i hadn't really thought of i was more thinking of like why don't you just talk to your aging relatives and let them mm. and you be the person that gets to remember that so-and-so didn't like his mustache instead of having software do that for you yeah oh well you know we just i guess we just have to embrace it and go down with the ship but yeah that's uh that was it was certainly like a I mean, the, it was on the surface very sentimental and adorable, but whatever. I, uh, yeah. All right. Well, so we we are doing the episode late because uh, there was like you know snow and weather where Zach was, so we we couldn't really record. But we talked about watching movies and talking about the Oscars, so we figured we couldn't let that pass by because we wasted. We wasted all of our time uh, watching stuff, Zach. We did. We wasted. So we've worked really hard for you guys to have have seen um, most all of the films that were big. Uh, we combined. Th- they were nominated. We watched, combined, we watched all of them, and together we watched most of them. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, the Academy Awards are coming up tomorrow. Assuming, or I guess we're posting this today, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the Academy Awards are tomorrow. Um, you know, the Academy Awards, like we've kind of said, are, are kind of basic, right? Like, you know, there they yeah. are. But in recent years, it seems like not watching the Academy Awards has become more basic. Like, oh, the Academy liberal Hollywood libtards. Like, I don't care about that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how, is, have you observed that as well, Matthew? I, I think it's always so weird when people publicly talk about what they won't do. Like in terms of that, like you, when people are just like, well, won't be watching the Oscars again. I'm like, that's totally fine. Like, I don't, it's not, it's not like a, t- it's, it's a not a take. It's not like it's it's just like a a sentence masquerading as a like a a, a hot take or a hot opinion, right? Like right. You, you just don't. That's not that's not like a critique, and even like even a critique of even a critique of like oh I guess they all get up there and do their political stuff. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, okay, that's that even to me is like whatever just don't watch don't just don't watch it right and it's just a show of course these people are going to give the awards to who they want like it's their award show and we've we've all agreed that it's the top award show for the film industry and basically you just have to watch it as such right i mean it's a situation where like um you know, it's again, it's not the People's Choice Awards for, you know, and, and by design. So, yeah, you're not, I mean, if it was, like, think about how many Academy Awards Twilight, like, Twilight would have won Best Picture all three times. 
Well, or four, that's how the, many Twilight that, movies there were. That's the other thing is the People's Choice Awards are not taken seriously for the same reason. Like for the, the opposite reason. Yeah, and they and they're like, well, if Transformers wins, I don't know, say Transformers wins Best Picture, people will be like, well, that's not a film, and just be like, well. You, then, then we complain. What was that guy you, saying that like Marvel movies aren't films? They're like some synonym of film. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it, I don't know. I, I that is like my least favorite way of trying to sound profound is just to say that, like, to say something is not X, but it is a synonym of X. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, shopping at Aldi is not about saving money it's about being thrifty or like mm. it's like what are you saying they're like oh the, you know i'm this isn't i'm not into you know plays i'm into theater like okay and, and christians do this a lot too like the cheesy ones are like it's not about you know prayer it's about talking to god it's like okay <laughs> well let's let's just dial it i can't think of any examples but you know what i'm talking about when people mm. Or they're like, we're not a democracy, we're a republic. It's like, mm. okay, well, guys, like colloquially, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It's is this jokingly? I've heard people when they talk like, when they talk about movies, you know, say like, well, do you think this is a movie or do you think this is a film? Like, just having a having a poke at it, which I like. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just a thing where. I mean, movies, I'm not into pictures. I'm into photos. Yeah, movies are such a part of our lives that it's a uh, it's totally fine to either watch or not watch the Oscars. And I, I mean, it just well, and I think it's also just realizing, okay, it's like I don't obviously I don't need the Oscars to tell me what the best movie was, mm-hmm. but I it is interesting who the Academy considers to be the best film because they're the insiders, you know. Um, the SAG Awards used to be like this before SAG merged with AFRA, which kind of ruined the SAG Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, but back when it was on- back when only SAG members could vote for SAG Awards, it was interesting because it was like, here's who the actors have picked for these categories. Yeah. Um, and now that there's AFRA, I think actors are kind of a minority of the Screen Actors Guild, and so the SAG Awards are basically kind of just a different People's Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, still, still prestigious. Like, I mean, obviously, there's still like a reason that Jennifer Aniston won, you know, a SAG award for the part in Morning Show. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I mean, it, it just changed the dynamic. So, you know, it's nice to know who. It's the same reason that we wanted to see who the New York Times nominated for or endorsed for president, not because we were going to say, oh, that's who they picked, so I'm going to vote for that person. It was because, you know, it is the New York Times. It is the you know paper of record for the United States for better or for worse. And so it's interesting. And that's with the, with the, you know, with the Academy, uh, they're the Academy. And so it's interesting to know what, where their head's at. Um, and this year was especially interesting because, uh, they didn't nominate any women for a director <laughs> and like yeah. eight of the nine best picture nominees are like, well, I guess seven of the nine are about like, what are white guys up to? Um, at least that was one of the the big critiques from the failing New York Times. Cars and Mafia and Joker and War and 
dudes being right, guys like the, being dudes and once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, like the outlier was literally the outliers were basically Parasite because it was Korean and then um Little Women. Little Women because it was about little women. Um spoiler alert. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But we are going to give lots of spoilers. So again, I, I think that um, protesting like cultural uh, landmarks like the Academy Awards or whatever is not a substitute for having a personality. Um, <laughs> and and you can't critique the Academy Awards without engaging with them. Mm-hmm. So and I mean also like what else are you going to do? Like it's it's what I will. I've never really made a concerted effort to watch. Academy Award nominated films in order to have a kind of informed opinion on the awards. Like I know that in the year that uh, La La Land won a lot of stuff, it was one of the only ones I'd seen. So I was excited, but like normally I'm seeing them like, what is like, I hadn't really heard of Moonlight until literally the Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. So um, I will say it was fun. It was a fun, uh, way to direct my free time yeah Yeah. and being able to talk about these movies with people uh much less tense than talking about like you know anything else depressing topic yeah like the impeachment or oh yeah we forgot to in case anyone uh didn't know impeachment ended and trump is still president uh which nobody saw that coming um anyway so yeah, we decided to. The lesser of two basics was uh, was to go all in for the Academy Awards. So here here we are. Okay, do we want to like start? work up to Best Picture, and just kind of look at some of the minor categories. Yeah, we can talk. Since, I I guess we can talk about the minor categories in terms of where they fall within the Best Picture. So let's talk about the movies up for Best Picture and if they have any if any of the award minor the other okay yeah that makes sense okay so i have in front of me a ballot for best picture there were nine films nominated there can be up Mm -hmm. to ten um and so they went with nine so i guess if you didn't get nominated you were the last one on the chopping block if there were ten you could say well we must have been eleven but this one it's like they clearly said we have a spot and we're not giving it to any of y'all so (laughs) hustlers I think Hustlers is the one everybody freaked out about. I haven't seen it. I was told it's not. It was not competitive, and people need to be realistic. Did you see Hustlers? I did not. Um, so anyway, so Best Picture. Uh, I guess alphabetically, we'll start with Ford versus Ferrari. Okay, so I, I have not seen it. I will see it, but at time of recording, it just got away from me. So you saw it. So yeah, this was also similar. This was this is our weakest spot between the two of us because I watched it um but I was getting work emails during it and I just couldn't stay focused it reminded me of that that independent movie about the two racers where one of them sets on gets set on fire you remember that one wait what was it called I can't remember what it was called I saw it at the little indie theater near my house it was like the race it was like a rivalry race huh. car movie race car I'm going to google it. race car rivalry driver set on fire so ford versus ferrari is a movie about just that it's about uh ford motor company and how they plan to compete against the race cars of enzo ferrari at the 24 hours of le mans in france do you yeah 
did this why did this not stick like are you not a car guy was the story just not interesting i think part of it's i'm not a car guy and then to me it just seemed like i I guess i mean i it's not the movie's fault that i was getting important emails during the movie Mm -hmm. i think it's the movie's fault that like having it playing in the background and even seeing how it ended i was like i don't really care to see this again um so the movie that i'm thinking of is called rush um and from 2013 but it it just you know i mean uh, it did seem like a serious film um there was kind of a twist and like yeah i don't have much to say about this one um i did ask my parents and they don't they don't they didn't think it was competitive to win the award but they they respected the uh, the nomination was there just no drama as far as uh to keep your interest or what did you was it, I mean, just it was like, like drama you know you weren't interested in ford versus i just felt like i was fine having not seen it i will still watch it because i paid twenty dollars to buy it because that was the only way you could do it mm-hmm. on streaming so i apologize for not having a good uh good um a take one thing i did learn just in looking at it is that they filmed it all over in all these different locations and one of the tough things was that the sun had to be at just the right spot for where they were in the race mm-hmm. and so they were filming like all around um the clock based on where the sun needed to be in the shots oh true because yeah it's, so it's yeah, not just it's like a... b-roll car races wow that's kind of intense i i respect that more that kind of that that piques my interest of wanting me to want excuse me wanting to watch it faster yeah okay so i guess doing this in alphabetical order is unfortunate because the two that i'm least able to speak to are the first so the next one is irishman okay so, so i watched the irish are the yeah, irishman, irishman is three and a half hours long so to anybody wondering if i ever i, I didn't ever finish it um I, I, yeah. I want to i definitely want to i just three and a half hours like that's like a half day and it's tax season and it was a movie you had to be watching like you you couldn't really like so, joker you couldn't you could miss 10 minutes of joker and still kind of follow it the irishman anyway. the irishman irishman uh is about it's it's a mob movie but it's like a midwest mafia movie and it involves it follows frank sheerhan sheeran He's a truck driver who becomes a hitman involved with mobster Russell Buffalino and his crime family, and they, and basically it overlaps and talks about Jimmy Hoffa, uh, and their the dealings with, you know, the teamster, the union leader Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, mm-hmm. Three and a half hours. I watched it. I watched it over multiple sittings because I just yeah three and I. I I know some people who saw it in theater and said it was fun, but oh my gosh, I'd have to like start ahead of time doing like you know you have to fast before you have surgery. Yeah, like I'd have to do one of those just to make it. Like I'd probably have to pee like every thirty minutes if I yeah. saw that movie. So, um, it it's kind of it. They it, the other thing is they use like that facial technology to try and make it make them seem younger you know like de-aging did you hear about that okay yeah yes and it's fine like fillers like like uh here's here's old robert de niro 
but he kind of looks younger, but you can still tell he's old Robert De Niro. Because and so he, is that is that done by makeup and prosthetics, or is that done by camera filter? No, or like, yeah, is that done no, by technology? It's like, it's like actual editing technology that they've started, that they've tried to implement. Like they oh. did that with, they did that in. So it's like Instagram. Gemini, yeah, Gemini Man, or wait, is that the one with Will Smith where like he confronts his old self? Like they're trying to do it, like take the actual actor and through the magic of technology make him seem younger like his younger self. So they've been, they did that on this, on this movie and it's fine. It's like not, it's not makeup. That's like makeup artist erasure though, because like a makeup artist can do that. Like they could make somebody like with, cause they do like the prosthetics where they're putting the, they remind me of is when you, uh, if you ever like get a really bad blister <laughs> on the back of your foot and you buy those thick fleshy band-aids. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of that, but like they could. Do, so anyway, it's like when they replaced animatronic creatures with CGI, whatever. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not opposed. Love technology. March to the future. Continue. So yeah, it was fine. It wasn't like a make or break or even like a giant part to me. Cause I, I didn't really watch it caring about that. As far as the story, like it's an interesting story. We've all seen the mafia movies and especially Pacino and De Niro and, uh, who's the other one? Pepperoni and yeah, yeah. <laughs> they uh, so we've all seen and Joe Pesci, like we've seen him in there. But it was interesting to, uh, I, I what I liked about it is it was the Jimmy Hoffa aspect and the Teamster stuff and it happening in the Midwest. It just felt it was like the same thing, but it felt a little different because it was taking part in a different part of the nation. Which I don't know if that's. Mm-hmm. Like a, legitimate reason to like or dislike something but well that was one of the interesting things in the the story in the godfather too though was that there were all these satellite things happening way outside the main action mm-hmm. like whether it was in vegas or whatever and it was yeah. just interesting the how it was intertwined so i think a movie based in a totally different spot would be interesting like i would i like that idea too yeah so it it and it it was kind of slow but i i enjoyed just watching to an extent with three and a half hours you're just watching these people's lives right like there can't it's it's tough to have constant action for that long so it was kind of interesting to watch like they would just be they would be in a car driving talking about where they're going and it seemed like kind of plot along but like it all it was just it was just kind of to me felt like someone had put a camera on these these gangsters and we were just kind of along for the ride and I didn't mind it so much because well, it did it did it just like did it justify itself in being three and a half hours long or did it seem like they just didn't subject themselves to like constraints because uh, it's a Netflix movie which means so much of what other movies are faced with doesn't like doesn't inherently apply like obviously netflix wants to make movies people watch and so they sort of have to follow conventions but they it's a streaming so they could make a 10-hour movie and put it on their platform right like they're not so did you feel like it could have been shorter if they'd been more disciplined uh probably but the but i mean it did it did the it was fine for the story it told because you saw things progress and like certain characters came back around, you know, like they had to deal with guys that they like one character, they kind of were bad to, but then this guy 
became in like a position of power so they needed to treat him differently so you saw different things like that and it was fine it was i don't know it in terms of things like this that it clearly was just scorsese just doing what he could uh and taking taking basically as long as he wanted so that's fine it didn't really it's another one of those things where you can it it's if you turn it off, you're not like you're not missing anything. You're not missing like a crazy twist or like a crazy ending. You know, it's yeah. It's just if you want to sit there and watch uh, watch just the story about these this these gangsters and this union boss and them trying to figure things out in Detroit and all this, like it's perfectly fine. Like you, it it's it just kind of kills it will kill an airplane ride or if you watch if you're on doing uh cardio at the gym that's another good way to do it so it was nominated okay. scorsese's nominated for best director and pacino and pesci are nominated for best supporting actor and pacino they're both good in it pacino's good he he is probably the most into it of all the actors like he he definitely seems like he wants to be there more than De Niro. Right. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, De Niro kind of phones it in at this point. Like, when you're Bob De Niro, I feel like you've done enough movies. Yeah. Um, All right. Okay. So, Jojo Rabbit, I loved it. Um, I'm in the It's probably the one of, the fewest number of people have seen. Yeah, I'm in the process of watching it. So I, I started watching it, but had uh, kind of a late night. So, so I, yeah, I, I feel I, bad because you're gonna hear spoilers. Is that okay? Um, I mean, I've heard some stuff already by it, so it's well, yeah, maybe so we'll. It, so let me just give you some background on this movie, guys. It's about a little boy whose imaginary friend is literally Hitler. Like, right? If Hitler, that doesn't Hitler entice exists, you to see this movie. Hitler exists in their world, but his imaginary friend is also Hitler, right? Right. And when he's having doubts about himself, his imaginary friend shows up and encourages him. Yeah. And I mean, because it's clearly a reflection of his own kind of thoughts and insecurities. Um, But then because he's a kid that's been growing up going to like Nazi day camp and all this propaganda, like the way that he grapples with all of that is with his conversations with imaginary Hitler. Yeah. Which makes sense. Cause he, in, in his world, Hitler is like the biggest thing and they all, everyone wants to be a part of the SS and like, he's part of the Hitler youth. Right. So he, he, yeah. So, you know, he wants to like impress, he wants to be a, a good German boy. So, in his mind for Hitler. And so when he's failing, he pictures it's like Hitler encouraging him yeah. to like give his life to Hitler. Like it's and it, just the way that the movie is done to me was brilliant because if you describe the plot line and like what goes on, it sounds like it should be such a depressing movie. And then when you say, okay, well it's actually funny and kind of almost chipper, yeah, I guess I would describe it. Well, they, you think, well, that has to be horribly offensive, and somehow it's not. Like it, it, it's this crazy balancing act 
that I think just made it such a masterpiece. Well, they, the movie starts with him trying to pump himself up and imaginary Hitler is there like pumping him up too. And before he goes out, what, what is the right, line? He's like, like, give me a, a Heil. Heil. And he's Heil like, you can me. do better than that. He's like, now yeah. Heil me. Or Heil, like, yeah, like kind of like high-fiving. So the movie starts with this kid yelling Heil Hitler throughout the street. Like this young actor for like a, a minute or two just running around yelling Heil Hitler to right. start the movie. And, yeah, and so like to tell you that that's a comedy and it's not some kind of edgelord, um, like it, this seems like the the movie least likely to turn anyone into a Nazi. Um, and it literally well, is the, a comedy where the like, Nazis the, are the kind benevolent. of camp too. Yeah, like Rebel Wilson. So like Fat Amy plays one of the Nazi camp ladies and she's like, I've had 18 children for Germany. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, you just have to see it. And I mean, there's, there's a sad part, I guess, since Matt hasn't seen it, um, <laughs> we just shouldn't. Well, the mom, the mom dies, right? Okay. Yeah. So that's the sad yeah. part is with, with no warning, mm-hmm. like, I can tell you that the mom dies and you will not, you will be surprised when it happens. Okay. She is just dead. The mom's played by Scar Jo, mm-hmm. um, who was nominated for best supporting actress. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, I would endorse. I think yeah. that she, this was such an interesting part. So the mom is kind of a anti-Nazi, mm-hmm. but she's aware that her son goes to, Nazi, Nazi day camp every Nazi day as he's camp. required yeah. and is like a true believer because he's a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's, you know, trying to, um, you know, help a Jewish girl escape the Nazis. And she's, you know, there's, there's a whole, it's a very layered character that ScarJo plays and is still again, doing comedy in a lot of it. They're basically it's, do they ever call her Anne Frank? So like Scar Scarlett Johansson's hiding a Jewish girl in her attic. And I right. I just assumed it was Anne Frank, right? They don't ever really no. no, so Anne Frank hid with her whole family. Yeah, well I know. I mean, but I mean I thought I just assumed it was like It was an Anne Frank esque character because yeah. she was kind of coming of age and she had a boyfriend and you know, but it was weird because the like it's it's hard to again like this is why this movie to me is a masterpiece it's hard to explain that in this movie that is a a comedy movie that is not offensive it's actually like a serious look at radical like to me i just thought about radicalization because you see him coming to terms with like the fact that all these people are dying and his imaginary friend is like you know come on don't let me down blah 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 like he's he's having to argue with this radical internalized ideology that he's accepted and how it's not corresponding to reality. Mm -hmm. And you see the pushback. And like, I just think about when you talk to people who have been radical in, in some way, like whether they were um, like alt right people or whatever, because we've done our episodes about online radicalization to me, it was, it was such a, visual and like artistic depiction of having to grapple with reality not lining up to this 
thing and then trying to decide, do I just keep my head down and, and believe what I've decided to believe does or Joe, do I, what? Does Jojo have a dad? He doesn't, um, he doesn't have a dad, right? I think, yeah, his dad's dead, I believe. Oh, wait, no, his dad's in the the war. They say that early on. Oh, that's right, that's so right. But then way, they, they say he's a deserter. Yeah, oh, right. So in a way, imaginary Hitler is like his father figure, right? Like, right. Which turns and then, real Hitler into basically his father figure. Right. And then the, the Jewish girl that they're hiding, like, is starts out as almost like a villain. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, when I'm saying that, like, be, the the ability to have those things in a comedy that is actually, like, a serious conversation, like, I thought that's what made it a masterpiece because it was just so... I mean, it was like a contradiction. I'm like, well, this should be depressing. And then when you say it's funny, it should just be monstrously offensive, like something you'd have to go on, you know, sketchy like white nationalist websites to find yeah. and it's not that like it and it doesn't tend towards that like you don't get any kind of nazi sympathy from the movie because that's where i just remember being like what when i read the description i was like how is this not being boycotted like this just doesn't even and the, i don't know maybe that i was just being over concerned while i was reading the reviews but i was like mm-hmm. this seems more like it's going to get picketed than like the joker yeah well Taika Waititi, the director, he did one of the the Thor movies, uh, Thor Ragnarok, and mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was maybe the goofiest, and I I really liked it of the Thor movies. And he also did What We Do in the Shadows. Did you see that? That's no. A, you should watch that. That's so good. It's like a, it's a camera crew follows around some vampires to show what it's like being a vampire. And it's, it's, yeah, it's really great. And it, so I think, I think like it, people just knew him from these things and realized maybe that it wasn't going to be like a, that, like he had the, he had the credibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, it just, it's a very not problematic movie given that again, the charming, comic relief imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. Um, So I don't view this one as competitive to win best picture, but I give this a very strong, like you have to see it rating. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, the, 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 I've watched, I got, I made it a half hour in and I, I thought it was great. And I just was worried because I had a long day that I was going to fall asleep and like miss out and have to go back. So, yeah. Instead of doing that, I just tabled it, but it uh I'll finish it today for sure. Yeah. So it's up for other awards. Like it's up for best adapted screenplay because it's kind of from a book. Mm-hmm. Um the problem is, is that that category is stacked. Like in that category is The Joker and Little Women and like uh, so I mean I I think it I think is adapted screenplay. I guess I don't know if you're supposed to have read the book to be able to comment on that, but I um yeah production design again it's probably not going to win because it's up against some really solid ones but it did have this really nice visual aesthetic i don't know production design like do you know what that specifically speaks to like sets and stuff yeah yeah so yeah 
that uh the sets were lovely costumes again were good it's, i don't think it's going to be able to beat out like little women for costumes um film editing i guess i don't know what film editing means because i'm looking at the things and i guess i would have thought 1917 which we'll get to would be on there um so yeah i don't know film editing i guess i have no take on and then uh, I think that's all the things that it's up for. And then Scar jo is up for Best Supporting Actress, which I think that mm-hmm. she's... I mean, I think that this was a layered character. Um, I don't think most actresses could, like, pull this off. Um, but you you can update us on that once you've finished it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was looking... So cinematography is, like, how the movie was shot. And then editing... Uh, you know, so that's okay. why. So like, because it's like nineteen seventeen in cinematography. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so that's why. That's the difference between like you, 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 you're thinking of nineteen seventeen more how it was. And there One could, shot. I guess, I guess, well, nineteen seventeen could be with editing because they tried to make it basically just one. Yeah, but they didn't nominate go. it, so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jojo Rabbit again. I I don't see it as competitive to win best picture and it's all its other categories are just tough but like you've got to see it um next on the list is the joker obviously the joker was basically the most famous movie of 2019 first rated r movie to ever break a billion dollars at the box office yeah i mean it broke all these records it was there was a sort of fake controversy leading up to it um that like there was going to be violence in the theaters where it was showed which we said was like we were comfortable saying that no there won't and we aren't going to have to eat our words on this and we were right as always um i I think there was more violence at frozen 2 like legitimately no yeah there were there was violence at frozen 2 like there that did happen there was like a stabbing or something or what what was there but yes anyway you were more likely to be victim of violent crime at frozen 2 than you were at the joker and to me that is predictable um there's reasons for that just in how psychology works but um so the joker uh i don't know i mean it was incredible i just i loved it directed Um, by the guy who did the hangover right and so hopefully we don't get two sequels that are yeah. like just worse well, and there, worse. There is going to be a Joker too. I guess I'm confused about like, because, okay, I'm very outside of all of the sort of cinematic universe things. Mm-hmm. It's like on what plane, is there a Batman movie on the same plane as this Joaquin Phoenix Joker character in the universe? Or has that not even been made? Uh... No, I mean I don't know it. You know they touch on the they touch on that whole thing at the end with showing Bruce Wayne. Well, they show him throughout right the movie. with a weird yeah. So that was this that was my like main complaint in that it was predictable and cheesy. That like at the end it's one of the Joker guys that kills Bruce Wayne's parents. Yeah, because that doesn't the really Joker inspired that guys. Yeah, but like in paint. Mm-hmm. And that or no in a mask mask right not paint yeah and. I was like, that seems sort of like a pretty aggressive retcon because I'm pretty sure Bruce Wayne's parents die in like every iteration of Batman and it's never by somebody wearing a Joker mask. And it's not usually portrayed as a political crime, is it? 
it's not portrayed as a political crime. I think, well, so that was the one thing going in that people were kind of worried about is the Joker doesn't necessarily have a an origin story, like a set story. Well, he do now. Yeah, so it was kind of like a, he was an agent of chaos, and you kind of didn't know, so people were worried. So, and I think, and on I mean, some I level, think there were political undertones in The Dark Knight, and how course. he kills all the cops first. Like, yeah. there was still a. Anyway, go on. Well, in and I think on some, I don't know if they. I could see the studio wanting them to lump Bruce Wayne in just as a, and in an effort to maybe give them flexibility to go elsewhere with the story. Right. But yeah. So, so, but as a pure, like the Bruce Wayne stuff was okay. Cause I didn't mind him going by like they, they kind of set it up. So the story is that, his mom is kind of gone crazy and his mom thinks that she was a, a lover of of Thomas Wayne and that Joker is Thomas Wayne's kid that Arthur Fleck you know who becomes a Joker is Thomas Wayne's kid so they kind of work that in and he stops by the house when it's like sees- you don't know that at first you think she worked for him and he's a good man and he's going to be this altruistic guy that helps out like daddy Wayne because she's dying and they're poor. And then he's rifling through her stuff and finds in a letter where she's like, your son needs you. And so then he finds out that he's Bruce Wayne's son, which kind of sends him spiraling. Sorry, Thomas Wayne's son. I guess Batman's brother, brother. Yeah. Half brother. And that kind of sends him spiraling. And I mean, I don't know if I was alone in, in like buying it, but then you find out that that's at least probably not true. Like I, I thought there was the tiniest bit of open-endedness. Yeah, no, they, they did a good job of that. And then at some point you just realize like, oh, this, the mom is crazy and it helps. Right. The, he's just adopted. He's not her yeah. child at all. And he's certainly not her love child with um, Charles Wayne. Charles Wayne, I keep forgetting his name. Thomas Wayne. Thomas, Thomas Wayne, rich white guys, all the same. Thomas, all the same. Kevin, Thomas, Charles, Charles Bruce, it, Zach. Uh, <laughs> Zach. Uh, what I liked, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is probably going to win for best actor. I do think that's he won in um, at the what are they called the Baftas or whatever. Yeah, he's winning everything, and he was so. And he's good. already like got he, his like defense speech, like he and he used his Baftas speech to talk about how there need to be like more diversity. Yeah, and I was like, he must realize that he was in like the widest movie of all time, according to like the internet, like talking. Yeah, according to like the the whining class, and so he he like is already jumps up like I'm so glad to win this award about from a movie that you guys have portrayed as being about white resentment, and I just want to give a thumbs up to diversity. Love me some diversity. Yeah. Um, well, the the thing about the white resentment, I mean, whatever people are gonna say it, but the reason why like this is an established character that people have known and has been been around and it's just a different take on that character so it's not well and it it would be a drastically different thing if the character had been black and he had painted his face white like Mm -hmm. that is a whole separate political statement and so like given that reality i just don't know how 
they couldn't have told this story and have the Joker be anything but white. Yeah, because it's Joker. Because I mean, it, it would have been a totally different conversation. I mean, I I think that I think a a black Joker movie would be I would I'd see it. It would be a different story. Again, like a, portraying a black character that would paint his face white, that would be an entirely different like political statement than a white guy that paints his face right. White. Yeah, Do, I mean, does a, that make sense? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is great. Like the things I appreciated were, but to me, it's like, a movie about class. I mean, it's a movie about he loses his free health care, and goes and is his he loses his social services. He's this poor guy that doesn't you know he seems like the sort of typical high school grad type, or if he even did that, he has men- these deep mental health issues. Well, he just loses um, everything with his everything about his life just comes crashing right. down. And, right? Right, and I mean, to me, that is more of a a class thing than a race thing. Like, I guess I don't really know why that narrative would ex- that narrative would exclude, you know, yeah. black people, any immigrants, anybody. In that, like, when you take away access to these things, like to me, I was like, see, this is the the Medicare for all movie. This is the like, if you don't want people going crazy and shooting you up on the um subway then like maybe make some provision for their well-being well and he um he has this it's also the issue of he has nothing really going on and then he has this glimmer of hope that he's part of this high society like this ultra wealthy family like he has this glimmer of hope that he that he's different and things are about to change and like his number is going to be called and then that combined with what happens with his mom and just all this stuff just comes crashing down to where he like he's just it's almost like a flowers for Algernon twist in like like things sucked but he hadn't really been ever he had never been never thought otherwise you know yeah and And he's a stand-up comedian and he he gets and it's hard because he's imagining a lot of the things that happen too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the other. Like, he imagines he's in a relationship with a woman who lives in the building. Who I, I, just assume that she would be imaginary, but she's actually she actually exists. He just created an entire relationship, right? And like is yeah, the way he goes about the crate like becoming crazier and crazier like you hear it in his laugh you see it just kind of in his he he goes from just kind of a sad sack to crazier and crazier and he uh and like the 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 best scene like my, my favorite scene was a scene where the big dude and the little little dude come into his apartment yes the the the, the little person scene and so he, he works as a clown, and yeah. so two of his clown friends, um, from when he, he gets fired from being a clown, um, one of them is a little person, like yeah, so a he la little people, big world, and then the other one is a a non little person. They basically like come to check on him and look in on him, but the big guy was mean to him, so yeah, helped get him fired. Yeah, so Joker ends up like killing the big guy, and you're fearing that he's going to kill the other guy, the little guy, but he just lets him go. Like he realizes that he has no problem with him and his, like his issue is not with him. 
and he kisses him on the forehead. Yeah. Or what happens is he says, you can go. And Which is brilliantly thing. The, the little guy tries to escape. Tries to escape and um, can't get out. The, like, he can't open and unlock the, chain, the door. Right. The door has a chain lock that he can't reach because of his height. And Joker, and Joker just says, like, whoops. Like, basically, more or less, is just like, whoops, sorry about that. And then kisses him on the head and lets him go. Right. But, like, if you see that, like, he's literally reaching for a hand up, like, in the most literal sense. Mm-hmm. And Joker sees that and gives it to him. And to me, that was, again, like, I thought that was a really... One, the scene just hit with me. Like, I, I was kind of, I just thought, you know... At first it was goofy, and then I just thought more about it. I was like, okay, well, here's a character um, in, in general, especially for employment and societal things, being a little person is treated as a disability. Um, yeah. Because there's certain things you're not able to do. And you see him, you know, he's, and you know, part of the marginalized world, and you see Joaquin Phoenix just see what he needs, or the Joker, and he, he just opens it and he lets him out. And that, that makes it such a thing. It's like the haves are sort of, again, like, the people with money, the people who are able-bodied, the people, you know, this and that. And then the have-nots are, you know, the Joker, people with disabilities, racial minority. I mean, and again, and to me, it's like a coalition, especially with like the neighbor being, the neighbor and the imagined girlfriend being black and um, them having, the com- the real conversations they have show that they're, they relate to each other, at least in being part of the have-nots. Like, I... I did not see this as a white men to the exclusion of others. I saw it as a, like a class conflict. Yeah. Clearly was that that. it was not. Yeah. It, it was totally a class conflict. It was just, there's no other way. It's not Yeah, there. You can't read it as any other thing. And people were kind of upset. They thought his, they thought his monologue on the, the late night show was kind of lame and I mean whatever like he's kind of a crazy person at that point so he's not going to have some coherent like he'll have some rambly like semi-coherent thing right right but it was suspenseful and there was it was surprising I mean I was surprised in the I so we said we were going to not do I don't know if we on spoilers I mean okay so when he shoots the late night guy mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that and I thought that must have been a, a daydream and he was going to like just be sitting there yeah or so like i definitely did not think that that really happened well there's a few story yeah there's a few things that at the end and the if he kills the uh psychiatrist psychologist at the very end oh yeah that's a good point well because there's that moment of solidarity where the 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 therapist is like Nobody cares about people like us. Like when he, when she's telling mm-hmm. him that like funding's been cut, it cut. I guess that's a di- that's not the same one at the end, is it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so but I mean, she again. This is another. So she's a therapist, um, portrayed by a black woman, and she she says like they don't care about us. Both people who need type of care and the people who are willing to give it. Um, you know, they're having their funding cut and their ability to help reduced so yeah i mean again to me the sort of race reductionist look at this movie is shallow and it it is very much a class movie Mm. um do you think it'll win best picture Mm. no yeah i i don't um it's in my top two as far as what i liked 
um, I think what it won was getting the most nominees or nominations. Yeah. Um, and then I think some of the other categories, like I definitely think Joaquin Phoenix is competitive for best actor. Um, I think I don't, I don't think it will get best director. Um, it could win adapted screenplay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but basically it's really good. I think that I just don't think that it will get best picture. The thing is, yeah, um, I think, I think they'll give best actor to Joaquin Phoenix. Cause he was like, you can't deny that he was amazing. And then I think on some level, possibly to avoid some backlash, they'll kind of not do anything else with it. Right. Um, so next on the list is Little Women. All right, I didn't see it. You saw it. You, you I did uh, see it. Give us the, give us. So the... I, I did not know the story going into mm-hmm. it, um, which I guess makes me like culturally illiterate. Obviously, there have been previous movies made, and it is originally from a book. Um, it's the seventh film that they've made. Of yeah. Little Women. So I will say, f- for the f- first hour, I was like, "Wow, this is." this is so lame mm-hmm. um and then i look and it's two and a half hours long and i'm like so you're telling me that there's another hour and a half and then it picks up and so i realized you know the way that it built was nice the movie was charming um i think that the costumes there was a lot of detail paid to the costumes mm-hmm. um and that's where i think it's competitive um this one was controversial in the sense that Greta Gerwig was the director and she didn't get nominated for best director. And everyone was saying that that's like a snub. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you look at all the nominations that her movie got, like, I understand that best picture isn't like the, the director doesn't keep the trophy, mm-hmm. but like, that's such an honor. So I, I don't think that Greta Gerwig was uh, snubbed. I think it's, it comes down to that there can only be five nominees for Best Director and there can be ten for Best Picture, which is why I'm assuming that Little Women probably was like around six or seven. Um, mm-hmm. I liked it. I think it was good. There was no sex, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, Hate that stuff. Well, and like Haley Stewart has this really good point that she makes that like when people make these period pieces, they don't understand the book or they don't understand the source or and they just kind of plug the gaps with sex scenes. Right. Yeah, um, no, that totally Which is what, sense. I guess, right. Which is kind of what happened with, um, like, Brideshead Revisited, the movie. Like, they just they just kind of cut out all the nuance and all the characters and just made them, like, hornier. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one doesn't do that, and it does. I think that, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's worth seeing. Uh, to me, Emma Watson was not very good hmm. like to me it, her the way that she played her character felt very like high school theater production it's just and that was probably the weakest is the movie just had this sort of stiffness that was like we're doing british theater pieces yeah it's so cold um and that kind of whiny like oh we're poor your anti like, your anti harry potter bias is showing zach Well, I mean, <laughs> I thought it was just weird because I did read the first few books and assumed that I didn't have this. I didn't, I pictured Hermione very differently than she portrayed it. And I never finished the books or the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I started hearing creepy, sketchy things from exorcists about them. And I was like, eh, I can spend my time elsewhere. I'm not going to get fanatical about this. Um, so yeah, again, I, I, I don't see it winning. I think it's worth seeing. It, it's definitely a girl movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the stories, it's interesting. I'd say when it comes on streaming, watch it. Um, I'm trying to see. So that some of them, some of the characters were nominated for, like, I don't see it winning Little Women. Is it bad? I don't know their names. So I'm like, okay, who is? So they're the Little Women. Sarai's Ronan. I know. Okay. Sarai's Ronan. Is that how you say it? Sersha. Sersha Ronan. Okay. So, right. So she plays the oldest sister who's really just a mean person. Mm. Like, she does sort of portray it as a little bit layered, but I don't, I think that I just left thinking like that character is just not very nice. This is the main podcast, so I can't use the B word. I don't think um, <laughs> you can say bitty a little. Old yeah. Bitty. She was a biatch, right? <laughs> we can say that, right? Um, so I don't, I mean, but in she, she was convincing in her like misery. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, if the character was supposed to be more complex than that, I didn't get it. And then Florence, uh, Pooh, Puh? Yeah, Pooh, Pooh, uh, I don't know. I, I, so she was I nominated was so for supporting actors, which is, which is in, the, the drama that's just interesting because of the way the characters in the movie relate to each other. Mm-hmm. They, they have this rivalry. Um, they have overlapping love interests, uh, yada, yada. I don't think that she's competitive in this category. I'm a little surprised after seeing the movie to see her nominated for Best Supporting Actress, but um, she was very likable mm-hmm. in her role. And that she has this transformation from being poor to trying to marry rich. You do like... it. just... The movie's very campy, I guess. I don't know. There's something... Yeah, sorry. Go on. It's all right. It's not for you. It doesn't have to be, you know? Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think costumes, though, it was really on point. Mm-hmm. Um it was just it was clear they didn't just grab a bunch of like shawls and moos like they they clearly uh a lot of work went into picking for each scene how they would look and um throughout time and kind of the you know their changing fortunes as characters and you know being able to kind of instantly look and say okay well this person is at a you know has come on money and everything Meryl Streep was in it um she dies so i think a lot of people <laughs> like that part um so yeah that's little women um those are the little women as you point to the, those are the littlest the littlest women as you point to um, point uh, sitting next to you the, to the what? lady sitting next to you point to the screen and say those are the little women yeah well no so when i saw it there was like these very old people seeing it and they were not I think that they had passed the point in life where you're capable of of creating a whisper, and so they it was like they were screaming their little comments to each other. It was charming. <laughs> um, so Marriage Story. Oh boy, Marriage Story. Netflix's other movie. Yeah. So everyone, I like, everyone was it's a, talking. It's a about sad it. movie that just gets sadder. Everyone was talking about how it was like the greatest acting of our generation, right? Like everyone online, you would see things like, I've never seen acting 
so good in my entire life. And it was fine. It's just... It wasn't that, though. I mean, it well, wasn't it's just bad a, acting. It's just a story about two people who can't get out of their own way, and they end in divorce, and you're supposed to feel sad for them, but you're kind of like, you guys could have figured... and You guys totally could have worked this out, figured it out, done anything to, like, save this relationship. You two are just kind of, like, lame. Like... I don't know if you've ever played the game where you're given a plot line Mm -hmm. and then they tell you what mood to do it with. Like you have to do this as a comedy or you have to do this as a tragedy or whatever. Right. Um, But it was like if you took the movie The Breakup with Jen Aniston and Vince Vaughn um, Mm -hmm. and then just made it really depressing. Like it, it basically did that sort like where there's a breakup that happens that is clearly stupid and doesn't get resolved when it could yeah i one my the one the positive thing i will say about this movie is that it's a movie about theater people and it is a movie that watches like a play and they i kind of thought that that was they that was an okay element of it It, because it felt like a it felt like a play that they were recording which seems like a weird description because you could say that about a lot of things but it kind of had the tone of a play and the dialogue of a play does that make sense did you feel that at all yeah no that does and yeah i mean i think especially um i guess just with how they they worked with the limited number of characters Mm -hmm. yeah almost like a like you know they can't have like a hundred characters yeah, yeah, they had a decent amount. So Laura Dern is nominated for Best Supporting Actress in it, and it... So she's the, like, she plays the the wife's attorney. Yeah, the, like, lady, lady, the hard-nosed lady who's really... And, like, she was fine in it, and it was rough because it just shows, like, it doesn't doesn't put attorneys in good light. Like, it... Like she, no, well, that's okay. This is what I will say. But what I will commend about Marriage Story is it it doesn't give even the slightest positive. It doesn't leave any room for any bright spots, right? In a divorce, like it's literally, it may just be the most anti-divorce movie ever. Which you know, as a Catholic, I guess I appreciate. It. I was like, at the end of the movie, I was sad and like wanted. I had to. I can't remember what I watched, but I had to watch something happy just to be able to like go back to my day. Yeah. And I guess that's the correct way to portray a no fault divorce. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was pretty rough. Like they just, the scenes of her, like of Adam driver realizing he's going to find a, have a hard time finding a lawyer because the other lawyer kind of screwed him out of getting representation. And there, so it, it really was well, like, you can see that they're having this divorce and he's like not taking it seriously. Like they, they go to California where her family lives. He's at his in-laws house and it's towards the end of the night. This is early on. And Scarlett Johansson's character is like, so where are you staying? And he's realizing, Oh, I have to get a hotel. I can't just, even though like it's clear to him, like this whole divorce thing, like isn't happening in his mind. And it, it gradually becomes more real, both that it's happening and that it's going to be this brutal, battle and he's going to actually have to yeah fight to like, like it's going to be a real fight like it's not going to be a, like we sit down and am like he's going to and 
that blindsides him in a way that I think made the story interesting. Yeah, and they, it, but they're two people that still like clearly care about each other, and but for that, that's the other, that's the whole thing is like, they're two people. But it's like they can't in a divorce. They have this kid. They clearly still care about each other, but like the reasons for the divorce is like, I mean, granted, Adam Driver. It comes out that he cheated on Scarlett Johansson, right? So he's like yeah. not—he's not a saint in this by any means. But like, then they, it's kind of bickering over location and all this stuff. And I—it just seemed like, with all due respect to people who have trouble in marriages and things like that, that at least these two people could have figured out a way to just make it ha- make it work and be fine with it. I, yeah. And I think the the sort of internal debate that they're each having throughout the film where, like, she's kind of the first to... Because when she meets the Laura Dern character, the attorney, she's like, oh, I just want this to be, you know, easy. And she's like, well, we, let's talk about what you want. Like, where do you want to live? What are you... And it kind of starts this whole, like, Yas Queen thing. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see that the Scarlett Johansson character had never thought much about her own life um and so she sort of gets empowered i guess right but then you see her constantly hesitating and then at the end there's this minor mentioned that they wanted 50 50 custody but the uh her attorney had at the last minute pushed in 55 45 yeah that was just as like a victory and you can see that she's just like not yeah that was rough she doesn't like that yeah and once the divorce is over you do see that they have friendly relation like they 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 can interact because like the last scene i think they have you know it ends on the the wife the ex-wife and her new boyfriend are going to dinner so they the son's going to go stay with the dad and that's not you know that's more than his normal custodial time so it becomes clear that you know it they're not continuing as harshly towards each other once like the divorce is over right and it does make like the villain of the movie is the divorce yeah which is fine and they're just stuck in it so i guess marriage story it, it's like they're trapped in this thing and they're both realizing it. i mean again i don't it's not gonna win best picture and it's just thoroughly depressing to watch mm-hmm. like when it ended i was like are you like when the credits rolled on the scene in the in the cul-de-sac or the neighborhood as they're walking i'm like you're kidding like this is it like do i just go jump off my balcony now like what do we we, so you know um i think it's interesting that adam driver even got nominated for best actor i guess that definitely makes me take him a lot more seriously than i did in his portrayal of kyle ron on um star wars yeah no he was fine he had that like emotional scene where he sings the song and he had uh you know he had that's true so he he had things like that to where he would i got uh, i got strong la la land vibes when he started singing the song mm -hmm. i guess just because it's a song about a break you know but so yeah that's marriage story it's you know i think it's impressive that netflix got two movies nominated obviously it shows that the academy isn't snubbing streaming Mm -hmm. and then adam driver Maybe just because I don't see that many films, but I've only ever associated him with Star Wars until this movie. Right. 
and I guess now I kind of look at him as potentially a serious actor or at least the Academy is. And so it does make me think, well, there must, you know, I wonder where his career will go. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's interesting to me too, that Laura Dern was the mom. She plays Marmy, the mom in little women. And then she's like the divorce attorney in best in a marriage story. And so it's funny. Cause like Scarlett Johansson is her client in marriage story, but both Laura Dern and Scarlett Johansson are nominated for best supporting actress. Um, Laura Dern for marriage story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo rabbit. Um, and so I don't know, I guess when I think of like, who do you sit next to? It's like, they could be sitting next to each other for anything to do with, um, yeah. marriage story. But then I, yeah, I, I don't know. If you just probably, if I were Scarlett Johansson, I would not actually, none of her movies are competitive for best picture. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter who she's sitting with when that awards announced. Yeah. I, Jojo I, Rabbit, I think more likely than marriage story, but if Laura Dern was nominated for marriage story, that's probably who she sits with. Yeah. I mean, she, cause she didn't get nominated for any, for her characters and her character in little women. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I guess if I were Laura Dern and it was time for best picture, I would sit with my marriage story fam over my little woman fam. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, um, but if I were Scarlett Johansson, I would sit with Jojo Rabbit. So 1917. So this is the favorite currently. I think this is the one that everyone's saying is going to win. Yeah, best picture. I haven't I haven't seen it because I want to I do want to see it in a theater. I just haven't been able to get to the theater. Okay, so if anybody um, has the link to the Uber app, you could send it to Matt so he could get to a theater. Yeah, I need to get to um, a theater. I saw 1917. I thought it was very good. It It's not my favorite, but um, it basically tells the story. World War One is happening, and it tells the story of these two guys who are delivering a message from... Um, one place like eight miles apart, but because of the trench warfare in France and everything, it's, you know, a very perilous journey. It is basically one long shot of the two characters. Um, which I'm not very good at explaining in any technical sense, but it, you know, other than a part where like the guy faints and the whole thing goes black, it's basically a constant, motion and it's sort of this since it's a journey it's like the camera sort of smoothly mm-hmm. you know running ahead and catching up and running behind and but it, it all unfolds to me it felt a little bit like the log ride though like a, like a ride through disney movie mm-hmm. i was like this would make such a good ride at a disney park <laughs> that's a good I like um that. but that was daring i guess and I could see it winning because it's very uncontroversial. You know, there's some really close shots of of people dying. Yeah, that I think are were really impressive performances. Um, you know, and it's um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it was, and it's very realistic. Obviously, it's not like the sort of Tarantino style blood and gore thing. Like when the character it. it it's good, like very good. Um, there's this thing with brothers that was really touching to me because I have a brother. Um, 
so yeah i i that's pretty much let's see what else is it nominated for cinematography um, cinematography i think that's sort of a it should probably yeah yeah um original score yeah i mean i didn't i wasn't distracted by the score director um director i think that that's probably competitive yeah right like would that be for the um makeup and hairstyling i would probably give it a no um there's also this really confusing part where like um there's so many british shoulders but like every character is uh, heterosexual so that's very unrealistic <laughs> um given what i know about well given what we all know about britain yeah um but uh production design i could totally see that visual effects were good they weren't they weren't overdone um there's this final scene of like chaos that's just like beautifully shot original screenplay yeah i mean i I think it's competitive in most categories um and i I think it has something that the academy would want to appreciate um so like i wouldn't be surprised if it wins but it's not in my top two okay all right once upon a time in hollywood loved it so good very i mean it just it was tarantino so you see a lot of feet Mm -hmm. and tarantino things i thought it was like i thought brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio were so great in it like it was my favorite i don't know if it was my favorite of their performances but i just remember just thinking like it combined they were just they they worked so well they didn't try and like out act each other and they didn't it wasn't like who was better than who they both knew exactly what role they had to play and they played it great like they just following around watching Leonardo DiCaprio's character just kind of realize that he's not as hot as he was and he kind of needs so to yeah he's he up. plays the main character and he's like the actor mm-hmm. like the hollywood hotshot, and then brad pitt is like his stunt double kind of flacky guy mm-hmm. and yeah he's coming to terms leonardo dicaprio's character with the fact that like you said his glory days are past he's basically good as kind of a you know bit, like a, a ha-ha cameo yeah cameo and they have him do like spaghetti westerns and things like that and but it also since it is old hollywood the 60s it it also centers around sharon tate and the tate murders which in the well that was so there's the scene with sharon tate where she goes to the theater and they're like that'll be 75 cents and she's like what if you're in the movie Mm -hmm. and then they realize that she's in it and then they want to take a picture and like, Oh, well go stand by the poster. So people know who you are. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, wow. Like I just relate so strongly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like speaking right to my heart. Um, yeah. yeah they've really captured yeah, the I, Zach Mabry demographic. It was definitely like, and it may be because I wasn't super knowledgeable on the Sharon Tate backstory, but it was one of those where in the last two minutes of the movie, you're like, that's what this is about like in a cool way yeah so tarantino does this thing where he basically takes historical events that have real you know real endings and he 
just kind of inverts it. Like so, in in he, so Sharon Tate's pregnant and she was murdered by the Manson family, right? But in and like brutally, yeah. But in this movie, like she makes it out, right? Because yeah, the murders accidentally go to the wrong house. Yeah, and they uh, and because Brad Pitt's this like superstar um, stunt double, he's like able to fend them off. So he. I'm reading the book Helter Skelter about the Manson family and the Tate murders. And it is Uh true that the Manson family would call off things because they would go to the wrong house. So people actually like they were going to do things, but they would just kind of end up at the wrong place and call it off. So there's some truth in that. Well, I guess they didn't have Google maps. It it is Um, true. They, uh, so that's kind of his thing. Like when Tarantino makes a movie about the Nazis, like they, they basically blow up Hitler and Goebbels and all this stuff, right? Like they get their revenge on the Nazis or, uh, yes. So it had the classic Tarantino blood and gore fight scene, which I, I thought was excellently done. Yeah. And very, I mean, again, like Tarantino violence, though there's, they're their own thing. Um, and this one was a lot less excessive than like Django. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it, it was still one of those where like, it's funny like it's so gory but just the timing and the the shots they do just make it like when the my favorite moment in the entire thing like as far as being able to do a callback to anything is that there's there's this part in the beginning where they're just showing like footage of Leonardo DiCaprio's character shooting movies and he has this flamethrower right. in one of them. And he's like, man, this thing is so hot. Like, could it be less hot? And they're like, it, it's the flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, as he's fighting off the Mansons, he runs into his shed. And like, as soon as he runs in, I'm like, please come back out with that flamethrower. I'm like, is this going to happen? Like, are we doing this? For as much as the flamethrower scene was such a like throwaway moment in the beginning or it felt like it. Yeah they spent just enough time on it that it like had an impression. And then it was, it was like a, are we doing this? And then like he runs out with the flamethrower. I, I lived for that was my, that was my favorite like detail of the entire movie. Yeah. And it was just full of like the scenes, like the scenes of Brad Pitt fighting Bruce Lee and, and, uh, Brad Pitt discovering the Spawn Ranch where the Manson family was like all this stuff. I, I just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the performances at first. My first reaction coming out was like, do we need this like subverting history thing where Tarantino allows people to get revenge? But I kind of, I kind of over that and it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was good. He, he's nominated for best director, DiCaprio's nominated for Best Actor. Pitt's nominated for Supporting Actor, which I think Brad Pitt is like the favorite to win, right? Um, I mean, when I look at the nominees, I I think so. I mean, I don't think that Anthony Hopkins. I think that the Two Popes is too dull. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if the nostalgia thing, because in Best Supporting, there's also Tom Hanks, which I don't know what mathematic, I don't know how you end up with uh, Mr. Rogers being the supporting actor of Of Mr. Mr. Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. But there's some, yeah, there's some 
calculations behind that. And then guys from the Irish. I mean, yeah, I think that he'll win. I think he deserves to win. I mean, and I think the we talked about last time about that article about how there's this he's sort of not taken seriously because he always takes his shirt off. Yeah. Um, in reference, like he didn't get nominated for Ad Astra, which he supposedly did fantastic in, but he did get nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where like he's he is a supporting actor of the movie, but he portrays like support staff in the I don't know what you'd call a stunt double. But yeah. yeah, I mean I think that he should win that category for sure. And I love I don't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood obviously is best picture, but I really enjoyed it. And it was visually striking and um they you know, I mean, the Tarantino movies are so choreographed, and it was just, it was nice. When I, when I still lived in L.A. and worked in Hollywood, they fil- were filming the movie, and they were shutting down parts of Hollywood Boulevard and recreating, like, old-timey Hollywood. So I, I didn't get to see yeah. a lot of it filmed, but I got to see, like, some of the stuff, which was cool. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's Tarantino, so you've got the cars and watches and the little things that he kind of obsesses over. He does obsess over things. All right, Parasite. Is this Parasite? Is this your favorite, Zach? Parasite is my favorite. Parasite is my number one. I think it was the best picture of 2019 based on what was nominated. Um, it, it's so good. Yeah. So it. I'm not I don't even, even know where to start. I'm not even sure how this was nominated, and I say that in a positive way. Like it just. I don't how it like got on the radar. I I really think it is just because it's a Korean movie. Like if this was an American movie, it wouldn't have been taken as seriously. I don't I don't know, and maybe the nuances and certain stuff wouldn't be. It there. It would be harder to do in America. Mm-hmm. So it's about the director's name is Bong Joon Ho. Um, so it's kind of like your friends you hung out with in when you lived in L.A. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so anyway. Do you want to kind of give the synopsis? So it's about there's a a family, a struggling family who like live in you know they work work hard, live kind of very meagerly in this small apartment, and the son's friend comes by and says, "I've been tutoring English. I've been helping this rich girl learn English, and I want to marry her, uh, but she's too young, and I'm going away. So I need you to go, and you need to tutor her and watch over her, and then so I can come back when everything's okay and marry her." So the son goes, and he sees this rich family, and he sees all this stuff happening, and he sees, you know, he sees what this family has going on, and basically starts this plot with his family to slowly take over their home by like his he. He gets his sister. He gets his sister a job there as helping teach the rich son art, and then they get the driver fired, and they get their dad hired as driver, and then they get the nanny or not the housekeeper fired, and get their mom hired as housekeeper. So they get right, all that. and the family, the rich family, has no idea that these people are related. Mm-hmm. Um, or that any of this is being orchestrated and you sort of see it unfold as they gradually basically, yeah, this one family of kind of poor, um, like huckster types, like totally invades this family's lives by employing themselves as again, tutors and, um, drivers and housekeeper for, uh, 
this rich family. And they finally get control of the house, all four of them, and then it just all goes away because the old housekeeper comes back and it turns out that the housekeeper's husband, like there, there's a basement basement in this house where the housekeeper's husband was living and he, when the housekeeper got, which that's another thing that would only work in Korea because they did have those because of especially like the North Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Like houses would have really deep basements in certain cases. Yeah. So yeah, like they have a basement pantry and then there's a, a shelf that moves and behind that is this like bunker type thing. Yeah. So, the, um, the, right. So like the, the whole movie shifts on that moment when you realize that it's like, at first you just think it's about this, the four people that have invaded the lives in the family. And then when the house, old housekeeper comes back and reveals the basement thing where her husband is living and that like, because they complain a lot about how much she eats. And it turns out she's been taking food down to the basement for her husband who's like hiding from debt collectors. Yeah. So she in her it, own way took over the house. Like everyone's there. Then it becomes like a jock, jockeying for who actually who actually owns this house. The the old guard yes. or the new guard. Um. And yeah, I mean, and the family's just clueless. I mean, the it's a very much obviously a class struggle type movie um the and that, that's is, but pretty the, on the nose that's what some people have said is the one drawback is it's so direct i mean they they talk about how you know poor people smell and yeah but i mean the stuff like the that. poor people in this case are not without like a they're they're very much guilty in this as well so it's like it's not yeah, it's not like a down. They they are kind of downtrodden, but they they see this opportunity and they basically stop it. They stop it, nothing to make this plan happen. And it's not even right. Like there's this massive rainstorm, right? And when there's like this massive rainstorm scene that completely floods the poor family's house, and for the rich family, it becomes a time for their son to be able to camp out in the backyard, like in a teepee. Um. And so there are all these juxtapositions about, you know, in the way that the town is arranged, like that you go uphill to the rich people's house and like downhill. To the, so like, so this is where you see like all the problems sort of flow downhill, like the rain. And I mean, some, but it's, it's so suspenseful because right off the bat, it's like, or are they going to get caught? Like, are they, you know, and it, that was what I thought the whole movie had like a very sustained amount of like, suspense of what was going to happen mm -hmm. yeah and it, it really becomes pretty rough at the end with there's death and there's stabbing and there's uh it and the dad what happened like yeah it, it 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 i don't know i don't want to give away too much because i even though there are spoilers I, we don't need to unnecessarily talk about the end right but it it uh well i mean i do think that the end did a very um I don't know if it, I guess it was, oh, I'm going blank on what other movie did this, but basically there's a sort of happily ever after Yeah, he twist at the end he, that then is revealed to be a daydream. Yeah, the son, the son come, comes up with this plan to help his dad and you think it's happening in real time, like in real life, but it's just more of him saying like, the, and this is what I will do. Thinking through the plan. This is what I will do. And uh, yeah, it was... It was great. It so it's not going to win Best Picture because 
they'll give it best uh, foreign film. It can win both. Yeah, but I, I, I think it will definitely win best foreign. I don't. I think it was really good, and like well, that's, I, it was my favorite. But my point is that I think they it could win. My point is that I think that they will not give it best best film because they have the out of giving it best international film. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, but I just don't even know if they'll be looking for an out. I mean, the way this movie was shot, mm. it's like breathtaking. There like was every a, scene. There's a scene they so they talk about they establish early on that the rich son sees has seen a ghost in the house. Yeah. And the way they reveal the what the the re- reveal is that the son saw the hus the husband who's in the basement basement. Right. The, the original housekeeper the original husband she's been hiding. Husband. So he would come out for food and one day he came out and the the rich son was there and the way they shoot the way they show that in the scene, it was legitimately creepy. Like the way they show him rising out from like the first basement. It was like yeah. horror it was horror movie level stuff done and it was so good. Yeah, and there's this one scene where the the mom as the new housekeeper just like kicks the old housekeeper down the stairs and it's so funny. Like I I was like because she just kind of runs and she's just like, nope, and kicks her down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I just think it was, it was, I mean, and there was this, you know, like I said, the, the details, you know, the poor people's house was cluttered and just full of, of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rich people's house was very minimalist and understated and open and there were no objects anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think again, that sort of shows like the sort of material realities of poverty in that like it's not a lack of stuff like cheap stuff isn't the issue and you know it the the people that didn't have anything their house was very cluttered and i thought that was interesting and then phones which i was already told to watch for the fact that there were phones because like i guess korean films have done a better job showing realistically how everybody's always on their phone mm-hmm. um and so I was watch. I I didn't. That wasn't something I just observed because I'm so smart. But I did think that part was interesting. That everyone did have their phones a lot and would take videos and send messages. And um, that's more in line with reality than like what you get from a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. Since everyone's so yeah, I mean, I think it won Best International. I would love to see it win Best Picture, but you're probably right that it won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was um, it's really worth it to see it. It uh. It, it's the subtitle. Like I know some people have a version of subtitles, but it's not really that. There, it's not. It doesn't move fast, and it it it's good paced enough to keep up with having to read and pay attention. So yeah, well, it's suspenseful enough that it's like you want to like the reading isn't all that annoying because it's like you want to know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, I was when I first turned I was like are you kidding like is there not a dubbed version and so I uh, I had to like put my phone in the other room um, to make it through but I loved it best original screenplay I could see it winning that yeah over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood 1917 yeah I didn't see Knives Out Um, so yeah those are the nine best pictures so my top two as far as what I liked the most were Parasite and Joker. Mm-hmm. 
and then probably Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. I think the competitive ones for Best Picture are probably 1917 and The Joker, and part of me wants to think Parasite's competitive. Mm-hmm. I hope it is. Yeah, that would be good. But um, the two Pope got the two popes got nominees. We talked about that. That they're the the outrage among some of the Catholic take havers. I seemed sort of unwarranted because the movie was to me it was just dull. Well, I I at first I had even texted you. The beginning sounds like someone who sounded like someone was writing, like how someone who watches CNN would write how they think Fox News would sound. So like to me, yeah. Benedict was portrayed as a little too hard and France and Bergoglio was portrayed as like this, like a little too like, Oh, what is this luxury? Like someone wanted to help with his bag and Jonathan price would give a look of like, you want to help like people help with bags. What is this? What is this? I thought it was a little, but then it settled in and I thought it was actually quite nice. Like once they, yeah, once I mean, they kind of established. I just think the, the nuance was lost, and it was sort of, it was basically Pope Benedict and Pope Francis, like as told by, um, you know, somebody who went to Catholic schools mm-hmm. <laughs> and lives in a gated neighborhood now or something, yeah, and like does mission trips. Like it, just, you know, I mean, to me, it was, it was just, but I didn't think there was any need to be outraged by it. And a lot of the Catholic take havers of the internet were like just so mad. Yeah. Yep. Um so it's I mean I mean I don't think they're gonna win actor, supporting actor. I don't I don't really know that it is competitive in any category. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't know, I just think that it falls flat. I don't I don't really know what else it could do. Um let's see. What else got nominated? Just a quick rundown of like other thing. It'd be fun to watch like some of these, like the short films. Like I never watch short films, mm-hmm. but um, let's see. The Lighthouse, I didn't see. I heard that's pretty crazy. So I want to see that. Um, They nominated a Star War for sound editing, but not sound mixing. Hmm. Hmm. But the Star War, the Disney Star War movies have all been, have been nominated for like these, like visual effects. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's competitive against 1917 for visual effects. So I don't, I don't think that you're going to see Star Wars take home any Academy Awards. Um, bombshells on, for a few of the Fox news one. The one that that's probably could win would be makeup and hairstyling Mm -hmm. because like megan kelly apparently i think you told me this that like megan kelly made a comment that like her kids when they see the bombshell advertisements were like confused that she was in it or something (laughs) amazing so yeah i mean and i didn't see judy so I, i mean that shows up a little bit but yeah i mean i think I think that the nine that were nominated to the extent that I've seen, like I've, I've at least seen parts of all of them. I didn't obviously pay attention to Ford versus Ferrari and I, I didn't watch all of um, the Irishman, but I, I do think they were quality films. And um, I think the lack of certain movies being nominated 
shows that at the end of the day, the the academy cares about being snobby. I guess I don't like they're they're not going to give sympathy nominations to based on like I think that there's a line for them when it comes to the politics stuff that like they're not going to totally throw away their credibility just to be seen as like more diverse Mm -hmm. or um progressive at the end of the day yeah uh do you agree i uh i agree i always agree with you on everything cool yeah i think i'll I'll fill out a ballot i think i may mark like what i think will win versus what i want to win and post that on twitter and maybe other people will do it and we can all have fun Mm -hmm. with that we'll live tweet the academy awards um yeah we'll do that all right well uh this was a really long episode but we watched all those movies so we figured we had to talk about it we did and uh, no Saints of the Week. They're all they're all great this week, but we'll get back to that next week. Yeah, we could just say unofficially it's Saint. Uh, what's his name? Um, Genesius. Mm-hmm. The actor Saint. Yeah. Well, he they he he's off the books, so it's Saint. It's Genesius. Like, they couldn't name the parish in L.A. after Genesius because he's not in the martyrology. So uh, they. I think St. Vitus. Wow. Snubbed by the Academy again. Yeah. St. Vitus is a patron of actors and comedians. All right. So St. Vitus is our saint of the week. All right. Cool. And we will, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. See ya. See ya.